0: I want to welcome those online. Uh, we're thankful for technology and uh, in in being able to connect with people online and on the radio. Uh, 90.5, uh, we were able to use the radio station uh, last night. Uh, for an uh, outreach event and, and uh, just a, a wonderful uh, mess, the message of Woodlawn. If you've never seen that, it's such a great uh, uh, thing to, to be able to understand uh, that the power of the gospel goes beyond any bounds and any boundaries that we want to maybe set as a society. And it was such a, a, an encouragement. I also just want to uh, encourage you on, on two fronts. We're at the very middle of our Dream Big series. And I want to just tell you that I get that this series seems a little, um, a little bit hard to swallow. And, and, I, and, I, and I want to say that because, you know, some of us, we've, we've had some dreams that we've had to give up on. We've had some things that we've kind of had to step back and say, you know, I, I really wish that would have gone differently. We have some we've all had some moments if you're uh, at any point in your life where you you know you you basically said, God, I I really my life's not going how I envisioned it. my my dreams and my the vision of my life is a lot different than what I thought it would be. I really thought that this would happen. I really thought that would happen. I, I really have some unmet expectations and I just want to engage that in the middle of the series and say, that dreaming big is not something that we do just to kind of get us feeling better. Dreaming big is a choice to enable us to see the grace and power of God on display like we could never see if we did not dream a large God-sized dream. And so we're dreaming God-sized dreams uh, with faith-filled means, right? Through faith-filled means. And that faith-filled mean, that means that we're talking about that supernatural mean that we're the, the the way that we're going to be able to actually do some of these things, because honestly, it's pointless to dream big dreams and then do nothing. So that's why I said dreaming big is a choice is we've got to just, before we dive into Genesis 15, which is probably one of the most important passages in all of scripture. And, and mainly because God is, is choosing to reconnect with man Remember Adam and Eve, they broke, the, they, they broke the connection. And right when that connection was broken, there was radio silence other than Noah and Enoch and a few others. There was radio silence to man. God wasn't reconnecting with man until Abraham. So you have Adam breaking the connection, and you have Abraham reconnecting to God. Why? Because Abraham would, through his line, bring Jesus, or in Hebrew, Yeshua would be the one that we know is the Messiah based on what the Old Testament says and and who Jesus said he was. Okay? So, we want to make sure that we're 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 understanding this in its proper context. Now, I, I want to I wanna also back up and, and say a couple of other things right before we get into this, and I want to take a few more minutes in, in my introduction because that's how I roll, okay? Um, and I want to lay this groundwork because we're, we notice on your outline it says part one. We're going to do part two next week, but I, I, if we're going to do part one and part two, I actually need your help on this, on this thing, okay? At the end of the message today, in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to do something that's gonna require about 10, 15 minutes of your time this week, that I believe will not return void. I just truly believe it, okay? So I'm gonna ask you to do something at the very end, okay, that, that's gonna kinda of get you out of your comfort zone and, and I want you to do this because if you don't, I really think that, that you're, you will be the beneficiary if you do, if you do this, okay? So I'm gonna to get to that at the end, uh, but, I, but I, want you to, I want you to understand a few things that I believe the Lord has been doing through this Dream Big series. Number one, I believe that through our through through our focus on Abraham, we're starting to realize that God is at work even when we don't see Him. And I think we started to see that as a church. I believe the Lord had led me. In fact, I was telling someone else that uh, for about six or seven months, I had planned a series. And, and, and I really try to get out in front of it and do research and really try to plan and prepare. But honestly, God had just completely shifted my focus to this, and I didn't know. And I thought, well, maybe it's a character study. Maybe I need to do a bunch of characters. And God just said, no, I want you to just stop with Abraham, and I want you to focus in on him. And, and so as we've been focusing on this, we've also understood that there's more to dreaming than just our own selfish ambitions. We've kind of learned that, and you can go back and kind of hear some of the messages the last couple weeks about Abraham, but we've learned that. And I I want to encourage all of you uh, to focus on someone else, to focus on someone who needs you, around you, because that's kind of the the central focus of Abraham is, hey, Abraham, I'm giving you this dream, but it's really for other people. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing we have some packets out uh, on the patio right next to the uh, refreshment table that uh, are brand new people who just moved into our area and and we've partnered with the city of Palmdale. We don't knock on their door or anything. It's just we drop off a, a gift, but it has uh, something, uh, some good news and and, and some things that, that might be a help and an encouragement to someone just moving up here. Maybe did it uh, doesn't know anyone. Uh, some people moving in maybe because of aerospace or whatever. We want to engage those people. Uh, they are uh, the people that God t- told us, hey, when someone comes and they're new, I want you to engage with them. I want you to be hospitable to them. You know the Bible says that, and so we want to do that. Uh, Another way that I believe that we could kind of be uh, focused on others is through prayer, and tonight we're going to be focusing on the subject of prayer, lesson five uh, in our Bible study, and I'm going to be talking all things prayer, but we're going to save some time at the end, and we're actually going to pray for America, uh, I, I just truly believe that this is a moment of prayer. I believe that 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 this is a a pivotal mo- pivotal moment that we need to know that we're just trusting the Lord. How many of you know God is in control of who's in control, and and, and that's the focus we need to have going going into into this. Series, Okay, so I I just had to say that I felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to. And so I want you to take your Bibles now and turn uh, to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, today we're dreaming according to God's power. We've been dreaming according to his perspective and his plan, uh, but now we're dreaming according to his power. And a big God calls us to have big faith. We talked about that last week. Uh, But this week, uh, I believe that big faith calls us to make big plans based on God's big power and i just think that that sounds simplistic but when i started I, I was flipping through some of my calendar and some of my notes and 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 my uh my goals and checking trying to check some things off and i just i always see how i began 2020 you know it's like i had all of these massive you know hey i'm going to do this and this is going to happen and, and 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 god was like nope you have no idea what's about to happen here in 2020 And I think that sometimes we get discouraged in our dreaming because of something that hasn't happened. We get discouraged and and we say, well, because all of my plans have kind of been changed in 2020, I just won't make any plans in 2021, and then I won't be as disappointed. And in Genesis 15, it kind of shows us the humanity of a guy like Abraham in a really real way. I think it'll connect with you as it did me. But Genesis uh, 15 and verse number one, it says this, "And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, fear not. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now we read this last week. We're gonna read it again next week. There are some verses that are key, and and they're the the key to understanding an entire passage. This, for instance, is a verse that, that is a key to understanding the entire Old Testament. You say, wow, that's a big statement. It absolutely is. And the reason why is because God is saying some things for the first time here. He's saying some things for the first time. But before we get into what he's saying for the first time, we need to understand that it's placed in a certain context. I think a lot of people take the Bible as uh, just little sound bites, which is what our society has programmed us to 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 think, and we think in sound bites, and this says this, and that says that, and so I'll just kind of take that and run with it, and I can tweet it, and I can post it, and so that's good. But 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 this is in a greater context, and it says after these things. Now, the 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 Hebrew words for after these things are akar ela debar, which means to to be later than expected which we'll get into but it means to to be after Abraham was done with what he had finished doing and there was a pause in the schedule have you ever hosted an event or a party at your house or something happened and and everyone leaves and you're just kind of sitting there like ah, oh, man that was crazy that was good but it was crazy that's what it's explaining is is this is kind of the calm after the storm well what was the storm There were certain events that took place in chapter 13 and 14. You can go back and read them. But in chapter 13, in verse number 8, Abram said unto Lot, it's going to mention him as a brother, but he was really his nephew. Uh, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. He's like, listen, we're family. Like, we shouldn't be arguing over whose sheep are whose and whose land is whose and and, and in verse 9 it says is not the whole land before thee separate thyself I pray thee from me if it if thou wilt take the left hand then I will go to the right if thou depart to the right I will go to the left so he's like listen don't don't split hairs over this there's a lot of land here let's just not fight over it let's 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 work this out abraham verse 10 lifted up his eyes and beheld all the, or I'm sorry, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan as it was well watered everywhere. So he's making a, a conscious business decision. Um, and when Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. So now Lot made a, a decision not based on what where would be best for his family, but where it would be best for business. And, and and we'll see the result of that later on. But but I believe that in this, in, in chapter 13, the after these things is after Abraham had decided to elevate the relationship with his family and de-elevate the, the the conflict that was happening. And so God will often call us to live out his grace in places where we don't feel welcome and, and that aren't comfortable because conflict is never comfortable but but he's asking us to live in those places and give grace to bring peace that we don't yet possess. God is wanting us to bring peace to the world that 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 ha- that doesn't have peace. Have you ever noticed that that the world is lacking more and more peace? I mean, they're lacking, they're having less and less peace. I mean, you know, if I see one more ad, which I probably will, the donkeys are at the, at the, you know, the the elephants, and 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 this people, you know, these people don't trust these people, and so they're at each other, and then this this group is campaigning, and and now they have billboards saying how bad the other person is. Have you noticed that? I mean, it's like it's not just an election cycle thing; it's a human thing. We attack the people that that we feel threatened by. And so I believe a lesson from chapter 13 is that, that that Abraham just gives a ton of grace. Abraham brought lot into this area. now they're fighting and he he tends to he, he, he tends to kind of go toward family. You'll notice that with Abraham. There's a reason for that. But the lesson I learned from reading through chapter 13 is that this grace that he gives is the grace I need to give to others. Now let me just say this, regardless of what happens in the next couple of days, our relationship is worth more than our partisanship. And I think it's important for, for as a pastor, for me to tell you, listen, you, you be driven by principle, but don't lose your grace. Listen, seek the truth. And we, you know, we 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 put out as much Bible, and we try to guide you, and 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 we even have a, a, a guy who, who who said, "Hey, can I put out some some voter guides?" And I said, "Listen, you can, but 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 I I will tell you something. I I I won't I won't sacrifice a a gospel partnership and a relationship for partisanship. I just won't because we have to be able to give grace. We have to allow others uh, the the chance to grow and." And so Abraham's relationship with Lot was worth more than the things that they were fighting over. I don't know what they were fighting over, but their relationship was worth more. And so the most loving thing that we can ever do in any relationship is to give grace. And and when we give grace, we are allowing God to work. When we choose not to give grace, we we are not allowing God to work. So Abraham was saying, I can't be wrong with you, Lot, and right with God. I have to get this right. I, I, I've got to solve this, and 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 he's glad he did because in chapter fourteen, guess what happens? Uh, he actually goes through a massive battle for the man, his his nephew, who he just had an argument about. He just argued with Lot. They worked it out. Now Lot is taken. Look at chapter fourteen and verse fourteen. Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, and he armed his servants. He didn't know what else to do, so he just gave weapons to his servants and uh, that were born in his house. Three hundred and eighteen. That's a that's a big uh, big group of guys, kind of going after their uh, their 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 leader's family, and uh, and, and they pursued them uh, under uh, Hoba, and which is the left hand of Damascus. And uh, they smote them. Verse fifteen, verse sixteen. They brought back all the goods. I love that verse. They brought back all the goods, and also Lot and and, and his goods, uh, and and the women and and the people. And so God God is wanting us to to kind of get this picture in chapter thirteen and fourteen when it says after these things. Some of what is said here is tied to these, these chapters. So you have to know this. And next week, when I reference these, I want you to remember this because there's just a couple lessons before we get in. There's a couple lessons of grace from Genesis 13 and 14. First, from, from chapter 13, uh, grace gives space for others to grow. We will always give space for people to grow here at New Life. Uh, legalism and, and, uh, and self-righteousness says, if you don't live up to my standard, I will ostracize you. But, but grace says, hey, I'm going to draw a circle with you inside it, and I'm going to allow you to grow according to the truth. And then in chapter 14, grace gives love and help to those who wander. Uh, Lot wandered into a, a, an area that was not the right area for his family to be. We see that through, uh, through, through the, the, the events that kind of unfold. And, and so grace gives love and gives help and doesn't give up. And then finally in chapter 14, we see how grace gives strength for unexpected battles. Some of you I know have had some unexpected battles. Uh, some of you have had some battles with with with, with uh, illnesses, and some of you have had um, some struggles that that you've you you know you you're facing or you have faced. And man, it's tough. And I want you to know that these these things happen. That's why they're in scripture. Uh, after these things, but after these things is not just reply just just talking about everything that happened in chapter thirteen and fourteen. It was also referring to the fact that it was way later. And I, and I couldn't skip past the fact that Abraham had a lot of laters in his life. Uh, God uh, told, kept telling Abraham later, you will know a specific location of where you need to live Live later. Uh, Abraham, uh, you, you'll know when to stop trying to have a child later. You'll know when, to sacri- when the sacrifice will be provided later. You'll know and feel truly blessed later. God kept on telling Abraham, hey, it's coming. You're, you're gonna, it's going to happen later. And, and, and that helped me because when we are focused, when I am focused on what is late or lacking, I become so obsessed with what should have been that it blocks my vision of what could still be. Uh, And and I believe that as a church, God's stirring us up to say, hey, listen, yeah, there's been some disappointments, and yeah, there's been some battles, and yeah, there's been some things in your life that have just really, really been a a, a struggle, but I want you to know that that is what has happened, but I am still doing something that can still work in your life, and if you'll let it, uh, Abraham uh, cho- chose to see that vision, the vision of the future. And so after these things, the Word of the Lord came, Abraham in a vision. And the word vision here is a very unique word in, in the Old Testament. It's used several times. Um, but but it's the word for machazeth, which is which is the which comes from the word Kazeth, which which means to see, but it means to have a vivid picture of the future. It means to uh, enable uh, the the mind's eye, if you will, uh, to really kind of piece together what God wants to do. One of my favorite authors, Henry Blackaby, says, we don't perceive what God wants to do in our lives by looking over the horizon. We perceive what God wants to do in our lives by looking over our shoulder. We see what he has done, and we recognize what he is about to do. And so what what I want you to see from the life of Abraham is that yes, all of these things had happened. Yes, there was a lot of disappointments and unexpected battles and there were a lot of things, but that is the backdrop of grace the fact that those things had happened was pointing to the fact that God was going to show up big. And I just have to take the time to say this today because I don't know who's listening online or on the radio or who's in this room right now who needs to hear this, but I wanna tell you something right now, that God is at work, he is doing something. And you might say, wow, so many crazy things have happened. And I wanna tell you exactly, we can look over the last few months and we can see that God is doing something. God is working, God is moving, and Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And I believe that if we we come into our lives without vision, we will start taking action without vision, and it's just taking a step in a random direction. But when I take steps based on God-given vision, when I take steps based on what God has told me to do, I can be like Habakkuk, I can write down, down the vision and make it plain so that I can run when I read it. Uh, and by the way, the vision, the word vision, uh, in, in Habakkuk two two is the exact same word that's used in Genesis fifteen. Habakkuk two two is no no different than the vision that was given to to Jeremiah or Isaiah. And so, for all of us, we we have to ask ourselves: Are we going to have self fueled dreams? Or are we going to have God? Fuel dreams. We're going to have grace-fueled dreams. Now, the word grace, it just means divine enablement. It means the favor that's given to given by God to man. But that's for salvation. It's undeserved favor. But after salvation, it's the divine enable. It's an enabling force that God gives, not because of our effort, not because of our goodness, but because of his love for us. So number one, I want you to see this. And this is going to seem a little bit contrary to to what you've maybe been taught, but I I think this will really help you. Number one, we see from verse number one that doubt and fear are the steps toward a grace-fueled dream. So so again, I was never taught this, and I, I really wish I would have been, and I want to help you to understand something that God is going out of his way to tell Moses to write down about the life of Abraham. And that it is that it is it is grace that that God gives, but He gives it in the midst of doubt and fear. And and I think that there's a picture of Christianity out there that is painted as if you have doubts, there's something wrong. If you have fear, there's something wrong. And, and I want you to know that that that. That this fear that when Jesus, or when God says, fear not, that would be the first time it's mentioned. But that is the one of the most used phrases that God uses when he shows up or when, a, when an angel shows up to man. What are the What's the first thing they say? Fear not. When Jesus did a miracle, uh, almost always he said, "Fear not." Whenever there was some display of God's grace and power, the first thing that said is, "Fear not." So, what is this Hebrew word? It's the word y- "yari." It, it means to be frightened to the point of distress. It means to be intimidated or terrified by the thought of something terrible, or if you're, um, if you're, uh, you know, just gripped by fear. Uh, to have deep concern for un, an unfavorable experience. And we've all been to this point. Maybe you're here right now and you feel that feeling of, of just being gripped by something that you're just not wanting to happen or you're just like, wow, I cannot believe that happened. And, and that, that doubt and that fear comes over you. And one author put it this way, sometimes our past shouts so loudly that we can't hear the voice of God calling us to our God-given future. Many times the reason we don't dream big is because our past is basically saying, why should you dream big? Why why would God use you? Why would God do something through your uh, little measly effort in your life? And so the fears that he's talking about were, yes, fears that took place uh, as a result of what happened in chapter 13 and 14, but it was also the lingering fear of not having a child. The lingering fear that God had kind of led him on and not been truthful with him. I read a study by the University of Wisconsin about fear. You know, it's interesting that when researchers start to catch up with what the Bible says, I love that. Okay, every once in a while, I'll read a, a groundbreaking study in the in, in the psychological community. And I'm like, okay, here we go. All right, they're catching up with the Bible. But the, these, these researchers a few years ago uh, at the University of Wisconsin, they, 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 they spent millions of dollars to come up with this simple but, but pretty profound uh, reality uh, that they tracked people's fears. And they tracked which ones were illogical and which ones were actually fears that, that were real fears that needed to be you know, paid attention to. And they tracked all of that, and the anxiety level, and and, and what would happen, and what actually happened, and and, and they tracked it for years. You know what they came up with? They came up with the fact that 50% of the things that we are deeply afraid of don't materialize in our life. Meaning, 50% of the fears that you have right now in this moment are lies. God gave us fear to protect us from things that will actually harm us. But we need to start doubting our fears and start believing God's truth. And so the doubt and the fear that that Abraham has, God allows him to vocalize. Not only does God allow him to vocalize this, but guys, get this. He decides to record it for us to learn from. So, so, So God didn't skip over the mess. God said, hey, let me show you Abraham's mess so that I can help you to find your mess and how grace can intercede in that. So in verse number two, he says this. Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me? And I just believe this was a heart plea. Seeing I go childless. Now he's been uh, in the land of Canaan for over 10 years. He's 85 years old. 85 years old, no son. Not, not, not one of the main promises that God had made to him in chapter 12, 10 years prior, had come to pass. God, I'm doubting what you said. This is a moment of doubt. And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Like, really? So that's your plan? Is that your plan, God? Is that what you thought was, was, was a good plan? Verse 3, I mean, hes you can just sense his, his frustration. Abraham said, so he's going right at God again. Wow, man, he's brave. Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. He just repeats that fear that God, that dream is not coming to pass. And it's getting to the point where it's almost impossible for it to happen. And it's almost like God says, exactly. Abraham I have to bring you to a point of fear and I have to bring you to a point of doubt so that I can show you what I can do Abraham doubts that dream God's placed within him And I just want you to note something, and I think I put in your notes, I'm not sure if I did, but if I didn't write it down, because you do not come to strong faith without doubt and fear. You come to strong faith through doubt and fear. I've said that before, and I'll continue to say it again, because it is at the moment you doubt that you infuse the truth, and it is at the moment you fear and you feel that anxiety that that you uh, infuse God's promises, that you really see what God can do. And so... Uh, Don't, if you don't deal with your doubts, God can't work with them and uh, God won't deal with your doubts if you try to hide them. So don't hide your doubts, shout them if you have to. I believe Abraham shouted his doubts, but God uh, came back to Abraham's doubts with truth. And I believe one day we will look back on all the broken pieces of our hearts and all of the the trials and tribulations and every moment of pain and every tragedy that's happened. And I believe we will look back and, and see the mosaic of grace that God was building. And when Abraham said, I'm afraid of what might not happen and I'm worried about what has happened and this is where I am, God. God says, don't worry, Abraham. This is who I am. This is what I can do. Now that you're at the end of your resources, now you feel like it's impossible, let me step in. And God reintroduces himself to Abraham so that he'll remember who he is talking to. Now, it would be like me having a conversation with some of you who I've known for many years and then mid-conversation saying, by the way, my name is Peter and, and let me tell you what I can do for you. You'd kind of look at me like, Okay, can I continue? Just be kind of awkward. Speaking of awkward, uh, some of you, actually several of you, um, uh, I, have, I have seen out in the community or even here, you had sunglasses on, you had your mask on, and I introduced myself to you. I am sorry for that, okay? It is very difficult for me to recognize people uh, with the mask and sunglasses. And ladies, if you change your hair color, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask, okay? Uh, so, so, but sometimes we have put so much on God that's not truly who he is, we don't recognize him. We put so many adjectives on him that we don't recognize him. And God's saying, listen, that's who you think I am, but let me tell you who I really am. Look at verse number seven. And he said, I am the Lord that brought you out of the land of the early Chaldees to give you this land. Abraham, the land you're standing on is the land I'm going to give you. You just have to trust me. And, and, And when God reintroduces himself, for some of you Bible scholars, it's the autocherygma. It's when God reintroduces himself. It's the self proclamation of God, the autocherygma. And, and, and God is basically holding Abraham's, metaphorically, holding Abraham's face in his hands, and he's saying this. And, and, and the man, if you ever want to do a really cool study, study out the, the, the types of Hebrew words that God uses when he says, I am the Lord that brought you out. That That's a whole sermon on its own, but I will tell you, God is looking into Abraham's eyes through his word, and he's saying, Abraham, this is who I am. You have to trust me. You have to see me. You have to look toward me. And here's a key thought before we move to the next point, and it is that it is our uplook that will determine our outlook. And if we are not looking up, but we are looking around us, and we are looking behind us, and we are looking at all of the things that are disappointing us, we will not see the God that gives us the grace to go beyond the struggle. And so it's our up look that determines our outlook. Last week I talked about some of the surgeries that Chandler had and one of them uh, was a very invasive lung surgery where they had to go in and put a chest tube and and, and do some things in his lung. And and I remember looking and I was, I I didn't know what to say. I I, I actually was, there were so many terms being thrown at me. I was like literally recording the conversation. I think I have a voice note of, of this whole conversation. But uh, but, but I was looking at the surgeon, and I remember out of just frustration because he was like, this is the risk, and you could do this, but if you don't do this, and it was just like, I don't know what to do, and I was calling everyone I knew to, who, who knew anything about it, but I remember I, looked, I just looked at him, and I w- just wanted to have a moment with him, and I said, listen, if this was your son, would you do the surgery? And I will never forget him looking back at me, and that surgeon down in, in, in LA at Kaiser Sunset just looked right at me, And and he got a little bit of a tear in the corner of his eye and he said, sir, I want you to know I've done this surgery thousands of times and I want you to know that my son has had this surgery done as well. Not only was he telling me, yes, I recommend this surgery, but my son has gone through this surgery as well. And God's not just telling you, hey, this is what I want you to know. He's saying, listen, this is what I put my son through to be able to allow you to have the grace of God. And if you have doubts and your fears, just don't keep them inside because Satan wants you uh, to keep them inside. If he can keep them in the dark, they'll keep growing things that you can't overcome. But if you'll get those doubts and those fears out in the open here's an action item write down your doubts and your fears and right next to them write down scriptures uh, stating who God is and what he's promised don't let Satan allow your doubts to grow without you growing faith and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God so number one we come uh to the to the doorway of this grace filled dream through our doubts and our fears. Number two, I want you to notice this, that trust is the doorway. So the steps toward the doorway is often led with with fear and with doubt. It's almost always. But then number two, and finally, and then we're finished, that it's the trust that we have in God that is the doorway. Now next week, we're going to talk about how how that God's favor and the grace of God, how, how to how to really apply it in a very practical way to our dreams. But but in this in this sermon, I want you to understand as we close that that trust is something that that is is done in a moment where you could either trust yourself or you could give the trust to God. Trust is a moment of decision, and so the Lord came into Abraham, and the first thing He said is, "I am thy shield." Let's say that together. I am thy shield. Instead of f- seeing your fears as a possibility of how you might fail, I want you to start seeing your fears as a potential to have greater faith, as a potential to say, "This is a moment that I can trust God." So, reason to trust number one is enemies. I had never seen this before, but but friends, I want you to I want you to get this. Abraham had just defeated some people who were much greater than him, and many people say that he had just removed his protection, that there was no one else that would align with him. He had, he had done everything. He had poked the bear. He, he, had, he had gone in and he had rescued Lot, but there was a risk to that, and the risk was the fact that there were lots of armies who knew his name now there were lots of people that said oh so you want to fight you 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 want to th- fight you you want to you want to you want to come we'll we'll come down and we'll conquer you because because we have a greater army and god is saying i am your shield i am your megina it's the word for shield it's it's from uh gain it's the, from the word gainin But it it literally means to be armed, to be covered, surrounded, uh, defended, or protected. God's saying, I've got your back. You don't have to fight this battle. I am fighting for you. And many times in a moment of grace, God just wants you to allow him to fight your battle. But if we pick up our sword uh, needlessly, and if we decide, hey, we're going to fight the battle against our enemies or against ourselves, we need to understand that grace and strength come in the midst of our weaknesses. But God is wanting to show himself strong through you. But if you are the one fighting your own battles, you are the one receiving the glory. And God is wanting all of us to to understand that he chooses those that are unqualified. He chooses those that are weak. He chooses those that have issues, that have fear, that have a mess, that have uh, doubts because he wants to show up in a way that people can say there is no other explanation but God in that person's life. And so God did not choose Abraham because he was qualified. He chose him because he was perfectly unqualified. I forget who said this, but it's so good, it's worth repeating, and it's the key thought from this, and that is that God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And in our human finite knowledge, we can't understand that. I would never pick up the phone and say, are you a good plumber, or are you really, really unqualified? And if they say, well, I'm actually really good, hang up. Are you a good plumber? I want the worst plumber I can. We don't think that way because we want to call someone who has a greater qualification than we do in that area. If you have a greater qualification, then you'll just do it yourself. And that's the problem with Christianity is we have we have bought into a do-it-yourself Christianity that says, I am qualified enough to live my life. I'm qualified enough to be a parent. I'm qualified enough uh, to be a businessman. I'm qualified enough to be a husband or a wife. And until we get the label off Qualified and put on the label unqualified but given grace, we will not see what God wants us to see in our lives. And so when God calls, with his call comes his enabling, with his call comes his grace. You see, God's calling is different because the moment we receive that call, we have also received the power to complete it. And so that leads us to the second reason to trust, and we're finished, and that is emptiness. I just want to have a real open and honest moment with you before we close, and that is this. We all have emptiness. Every single person in here has a a part of your heart and your soul that's empty, a part of your heart and your soul that needs to be engaged with God's grace. And Abraham had this emptiness. God, I just feel empty. I feel like you're not doing something I feel like you're not working. I feel like you're just leading me on. And verse number four is the key to this. Verse number four and verse number six. We'll we'll cover verse six next week, but I want to read it this week. The word of the Lord came unto him, Abraham, verse four, saying, this shall not be thine heir. This is God's word to Abraham. He shall come forth out of thy own bowels and, and be thine heir. God's saying, no, that's not my plan. Don't try to make an alternate plan. You wait for my plan. God reaffirms the dream that he's given to Abraham. And then verse six, Abraham accepts again the dream and he believed God and it was counted in him for righteousness. I want you to know that where you feel the most empty is where God is calling you to activate his grace. Let me say that again. Where you feel the most empty is where God is calling you to activate his grace. Don't run from it, engage it. I was with uh, Joe. We were um, we were uh, doing some things over at David Jemelin School, and we had used a a, a truck that um, was big enough to to kind of handle all the stuff we were moving. We were moving a a baptistry and a few other things, um, and uh, so we jumped in this big box truck and. And uh, I, I, was, I told the guy who I was borrowing from, I said, hey, the gas gauge says it's empty. And he's like, oh no, yeah, there's plenty of gas, it just doesn't work, oh, no problem. We got over to Palmdale. and we came back, and you guessed it, Ellen, Ellen 10th Street West, we're kind of right leaving the intersection and just sputtered out, completely out of gas. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little frustrated. I think we both were frustrated. Uh, the funny thing was, we, we, we got out, and we thought we could push it. <laughs> it's like a four, you know, like a four-ton truck, you know, we think we can push it. I think we have a picture of just the frustrating experience. Here I am just sitting, you know, looking at this, looking at this, uh, you know, we had to wait for the, for the uh, tow truck to come and huge tow truck comes, you know, and it's a big process, you know, and everyone's, you know, LA, LA County drivers, they're really kind. You know, when something happens, I took a picture of the rear view mirror, you know, cause everyone's, you know, having to go around us and they, they weren't happy about it. And I wasn't happy about it. It was embarrassing. And I keep seeing people I know and it was, you know, whatever, and uh, I remember thinking, man, you know, the guy said there was gas and there was no gas. And I'm just, I was disappointed. You know, like, come on. Like, God, I'm doing your work. And I, you know, I just, I didn't want this. I didn't have time for this, God. How did, how, how did you leave me in this, one of the most busy intersections in the Anal Valley? And, and I'm in the way. God, I'm just kind of in everyone's way. And 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 to be honest with you, this is in my way, God. And I remember just th- sitting there thinking. And I remember I I, I think we have a, 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 and I don't know which, what picture we have, but I, I remember just sitting in the cab of that truck. And I'm just I'm I, and, and and I didn't take any pictures up until this moment because I, I I was frustrated. I didn't want to I didn't want to remember it, okay. But I started taking pictures right after I met Jose. And, and, and Jose allowed, he might be watching. We've kept in touch. And I think we have a picture of, of him getting out of his truck. And H- Jose got out of his truck and he was, he was a little frustrated too. He was in a movie while when I called. And he tried to get a refund on the movie with his family and he couldn't. And he was a little frustrated as well. So here I'm frustrated. He's frustrated. Everyone driving around us is frustrated. It was just one big ball of frustration. You know what was most frustrating? Is I'm standing right by the Costco gas station. I broke down at a gas station without a gas can and without the ability to get that gas in my truck. I'm just like staring at the gas station. Everyone's getting gas. I'm just looking at them. You know, like, must be nice. He gets out. He gets on his overalls. He gets under the truck. He's putting everything together. And it was like you know, and again, I don't hear an audible voice or whatever. but It's like you really should probably talk to him about Jesus, or you know, just invite him to church. I'm like, God, I don't want to invite anyone to church right now. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to get out of this intersection. I want to stop blocking traffic and, and talk to him. Talk to him. And and I started talking to him. And you you remember kind of some of that conversation we've kept in touch over the last couple of years. And and uh, he's he's driving a tow truck right now as we speak, actually. And. I started talking to him and, and he just really started to, to, to open up about his emptiness. And he just said, man, I'm just so broken. I'm so empty. He's like, I don't, ha- I don't have any, and he gave me permission to say this. He said, I don't have any will to live. He's like, my family, uh, he's like, I-, I go through the motions with them, but he's like, it would, it-, it would scare them if I told them what I was thinking, how I was feeling. It was in that moment that God said, listen, I emptied your gas tank so that you could fill his tank on hope. And, and I just started talking to him about Jesus and the grace of God. And I, we exchanged numbers and, and he took us to our location and we dropped off the truck and we started talking some more. And, and it was, it was a, apparently revealed to me in that moment that although I was in a frustrating situation, God had placed me there so that I could pour into Jose. I don't know what frustrating situation God has placed you in, but I know when you feel the most empty, God is telling you to pour out. And and nowhere else will you hear that. No self-help guru will ever tell you when you feel empty, you gotta pour out. But God says, when you've come to the end of your resources, I will show up. And so the reason why we have to dream big dreams and the reason why we have to understand the grace of God is because we cannot do it on our own. We can't fight our own battles. He's our own shield. We we can't deal with our our fears and our our doubts on our own. Fear not. And we can't seek our own fullness. He said, I am thy exceeding great reward. And so here's here's the ask. Here's the ask. And if you will please do this, I believe it will transform how you look at the Old Testament, even how you look at the New Testament. Here's the action item. I'm going to ask you to take 10 to 15 minutes and I'm going to ask you to read the rest of chapter 15. And every time Abraham says something that he, he's going to do, note what God allows Abraham to do. And then every time God doesn't allow Abraham to do something, note that. And next week, we're going to gonna finish this off and we're going to see how the grace of God shows up in a real and practical way in a moment when you try to do something and you can't. How does God show up and how does he show up big? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle find New Life.